0: This week's episode has been delayed until midnight Eastern due to excessively good weather.
1: Safe to say, this top line is the best in the league. Yeah, we are. Racing and shoots and scores. Nathan MacKinnon. And after 22. 22-
0: Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph, and the Colorado Avalanche are back. So you're locked once again into Burgundy Radio from February 22nd, 2021. Coming up on the show, three games out of four against the Vegas Golden Knights are in the books, including an 11-hour regulation season game outside by the lake. So that was normal. We're gonna play the Woosh, but first, introductions for my fellow disembodied voices, as always. Joined by Earl06, hello, Earl. Hello, friends. And joined by Tiger Vixen. hello, Jackie
2: glad to be back
0: after an 11 day break due to covid test results a very depleted and very rusty avalanche team traveled to vegas where they found a very tired golden knights team and lost one to nothing this game was pretty encouraging to me as crunchy as it was to see an avs roster that featured megna and mcdonald keep it within one even if they couldn't get on the board themselves this is about the sludgy game everyone expected, and I've had one of the longest weeks ever in the meantime, so I remember no details. Do y'all remember any details?
2: I don't know if I'd say details, but just that I do remember the first period was was definitely rusty. They It, it wasn't the greatest first period, but they got better. And so, like you said, it, even though they lost, it was encouraging that it was a tough test for them to go into Vegas after their break, and even though Vegas was tired from the back to back, still pretty tough opponent to have right off the bat. And they did get better, it was one of those games where they're getting chances, but they're pretty much getting goalied as well. Because Flurry's been playing pretty amazing, and I think he kind of stole that one a little bit, even though if the abs weren't exactly executing to their full potential, and then they also we're missing a lot of talent too.
1: Yeah, I thought that they played pretty well for, you know, the lineup that they had and the amount of time off they had. It, you know, it I agree with Steph. It was definitely encouraging to see um, what they could put together with so many guys out of the lineup. So, um, you know, it, it wasn't... <clears throat> it it wasn't boring like I thought it was going to be. I mean, they actually did generate some fairly decent chances. I mean, it, it wasn't a bad game, let's say. Um, I, I was expecting a lot worse. And
2: I feel like because... all the games against Vegas have been like you can tell it's two good teams playing each other.
0: It's, it's kinda of hard
2: yeah. it's kind of hard to explain what that looks like, but it it's tight and it's contested, but it's not because of slots or just gross hockey like it's trading it's going back and forth it's trading i i wouldn't say chances but possessions but you can see that both teams are are in sync and it's just a matter of it's a little bit of a back and forth like a tennis match more than just yeah. like just brutal hockey where no one can do anything
0: <laughs> yeah, you're, you're seeing, two, of that. seeing two NHL teams <laughs> trying, and for large swaths of the game, succeeding in imposing their will on the game, and seeing two teams successfully do that is what a good hockey game looks like, instead of what we've been getting this season, which is, you know, um, one team trying very hard to impose its will on the game, and the other team trying very hard to not let them. Just by any yeah, means I, necessary. I would- I would put it in the same class as some of the Minnesota
1: games that we saw um just because you know I Minnesota's sort of in a, they're sort of half suppression and half trying to play decent hockey, yeah, they're okay um uh, but yeah and and this was sort of that all the the good parts of that all the time, so that was nice
0: and it's it's worth emphasizing every chance we get that as as depleted as the avalanche had been, we didn't get Minnesota's best either. Right.
2: Oh yeah, they were messed up too. <laughs> but this is this Vegas team that the Avs have played this week is pretty healthy. So it's a good test for them.
0: Yeah, um yeah. and we're going to talk in a minute about how y'all actually feel about that team. But first, let's move along to Tuesday then. Um basically the same Avalanche roster. Uh, This time with a healthy dose of WD-40. And they beat Vegas 3-2 thanks to a last-minute game-winning goal from Nazem Kadri. Nathan McKinnon scored early in this one, and Brandon Massad had the other goal. Colorado, maybe not great in this game, but definitely good enough. And Philip Grubauer, shout out to that guy, because his season has gotten off to a tremendous start.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the theme for most of these games that, that we're doing well in.
2: I think the whole team has played well, but certainly the goaltender has to be part of that. So I don't think he's standing on his head and just stealing all these. But when you can pretty much expect him to save all the things he needs to save and then some. Yeah, you're absolutely um, he's being one of your best players.
1: Yeah, the ar- the abs aren't making a lot of mistakes and and you know that goes for even when when some of the call-ups are on the ice. Um you know, the when the call-ups are on the ice, they're they're not generating anything, obviously, but um they're not making hideous mistakes. And I think that's pretty key. I mean I, I think that the Grubauer has been buoyed by the fact that the, what he's seeing in front of him is fairly predictable. Um, and that's that's got to get him fairly comfortable pretty quick.
2: I think in this game, some of those guys like Magna and Drys were sliding a bit. Like you could you could see in their metrics, you could see that the the energy tryhard only works for so long. Also, O'Connor wasn't as impactful in this one, so I think the clock was ticking on some of those guys who, as a whole, have filled in. And, and done their job and helped the abs win but you can start to see the ceiling where you can't rely on them not screwing up for too long and, and <laughs> who's
1: the center that they put O'Connor with is, uh, it, is this trying, a trick question
2: I, yeah are you asking me what are we yeah uh, JT Comfer, Comfer and, and Nuke right
1: he was with Comfer and... You know, not not to not to go forward too much, but if if you look at what what Gabe's numbers look like with Comfer last night or this morning, um, <clears throat> you know, it's a problem.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, uh, Comfer ha- on t- on uh, I think it was Tuesday, right? Yeah, Tuesday. On on Tuesday, Comfer had like some of his better outcomes of the season in terms of metrics, and it's just it's funny, like. Even though they've they've only played, you know, like a few minutes together. I think it's like twenty or forty minutes or something like that. Like with O'Connor, Confer's numbers are significantly better than without O'Connor. Yeah, and that's not worth buy, you know putting a whole lot of stock into. Like I said, because it's only a few minutes. Um, but you would not not ever expect to even see that, you know, in. Even a couple of games worth of minutes from a guy who has basically been a you know a cup of coffee kind of guy so far. Like, yeah, we we've advocated, especially me, on this show for for Logan O'Connor to be kind of a thirteenth forward, sort of you know moving forward, kind of as his role, and and this is why like he can come in and help for a little while and then go away again, but he doesn't need to go all the way back down to the AHL. That's that's silliness.
2: I agree with that. I think, especially when you have a team that's played a lot, like they're going to coming up on a back-to-back, I think he'd be the perfect guy to insert when maybe the whole team is a little bit dragging because the jolt of energy and he can bring when he's fresh I think does make a
0: difference. Absolutely. Um, Just just to run it back a second, um, because I was very prepared for this show. Um, While we were talking about that, I pulled up Philip Grubauer's game log from this season, and I, d- I just want to, um, like obviously what Earl was saying has some merit to it, that, that he's benefiting some from being able to predict what's happening in front of him. And also the Avalanche are just playing really well. Like, it seems like almost every first period they outshoot their opponent significantly. Um, but I want to run through Philip Grubower's ga- goal totals by game because they're awesome. We had four on opening night, not so awesome. After that, zero, two, 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 three, which was which was still in a win, zero. One 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 two two. He has yeah, given the- up more. He has given up three goals in a game once since opening night. Like that's giving your team a chance to win right there. Yeah, yeah the I mean,
2: difference I, between three and two is basically winning in the NHL.
0: More or less.
1: Yeah, and as much as we tool in the bottom six, what one thing they generally do is they they will suppress the opponent's offense at the expense of their own um and you know we can debate the merits of that philosophy but you know it, that's that's you know that's the way Jared bednar kind of wants to play he's fine with getting nothing out of the bottom six as far as offense as long as they're not making mistakes and, and putting the team in the hole and it, i mean it's hard to argue with it i i don't like it because it's very conservative but it does work
2: they him. are going to need more from comfer though at some point. You can you can't like they've accepted that there's no offense from Jost, and if he can play defense and help on the penalty kill then he's doing his job, which we've advocated for. So if he's succeeding in that role doing that, then I think we're good with that. But that is not going to be okay for Comfer. There no. needs to be some offense at some point from him.
0: There needs to be some, well, how about some defense too.
1: <laughs> yeah, he, he's not. He's the the worst out of anyone, and there are some bad guys in the bottom six. But he's is, he's is the worst at suppressing shots. Well, <laughs> he's not so bad at he's too. not so bad at suppressing quality. And you know there there are a bunch of guys that have some weird dichotomies um, with that. But <clears throat> um I mean, I think you're definitely right. It's the he, you have a guy who's your third third line center, or was until yesterday. Um, you know, you 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 really want to see a, a guy that can, you know, sort of be the ringleader for the bottom six and be able to to spur on some offense. That's you know, it's just not happening.
2: Right. It's not just about points. Like I think that's what the focus is for a lot of people. That he doesn't even have an even strength point, and basically got his goals one was definitely garbage time i don't even remember the other one but
1: <laughs>
2: um but yeah like you said i like, not even you know he some,
1: had goals
2: is it goal? <laughs> maybe it's two points maybe it's only two points maybe it is only one goal i think it's yeah. two points we, we
0: have the power to look this up so we're gonna <laughs> <Okay>. do it <laughs> Might not be goals. Maybe that's why I can't remember it because it didn't happen. You can't remember things that didn't happen. And you can remember things that that didn't happen. Lots of people do that and have very good careers out of it. One goal, one assist. Okay, that's
2: why. All right, two points. So I think people are focusing on that to see like he's not doing enough, which I agree, but then I also agree with Earl that he's also not helping on the defensive side either. Yeah, those are
0: both on the power play, by the way. Yes. Yeah. So we're
2: in the what do you do here kind of level category with Compher.
1: Yeah, which
2: is not good.
1: Well, it's I. I mean, again, I I don't mind what they did yesterday with putting him on the wing, and, and obviously, Joe's is not your solution at third center. But, um, you know, <clears throat> if the ABS were going to trade for somebody, you know, obviously it. You know it does sound like Frank is in a bad way, so so probably a backup goaltender might be your your number one need right now, but
2: hey, when he comes back, he'll be fresh.
1: he sure will <laughs> um but fresh is a <laughs> weapon, know,
0: then Frank's gonna be a gigantic bomb at the end of the year
1: exactly um but you know your your one b need is definitely your third center well um
2: here's the thing. Do they even think it's a problem? Like I know Bednar is not thrilled with how he's been No, And I'm not saying,
1: I'm not saying this is a problem they need to make a trade for soon, but I'm just saying if you're, if you're scouting the league for, for, you know, perhaps making a trade right now, those are the two things that you'd you'd be looking around for.
2: Well, they always bring in a third liner. Like that's kind of what they do. They're going to bring in an auxiliary third liner. Probably well, they sure don't, themselves. It's
0: for sale. They absolutely
1: deck. do not need another wing of any kind.
0: Do you want to go ahead and get your prediction on the record, Jackie? Because since last year, we n- nailed Nemesnikov.
2: Yeah, I think it's Howla from Nashville. Sounds like they're going to sell. I think he fits with the Avs profile with the speed. And he's a wing slash center. I know that might be a little iffy there, but probably enough Drives of a center. center well i'm not gonna rant about dries today so you all can thank me but just seems to fit their profile they have a third that they could get rid of or maybe a bunch of prospects they don't want to sign coming into the spring so yeah that's my prediction
1: all right, let's take this a little further. It seems like teams are probably setting up to do their trade deadline business a little earlier than normal. And I, you know, I think with possible quarantines, if you're shopping in Canada and things like that, hey, when even is the deadline? Just... I
2: think it's April. I want to say 12.
1: Yeah. Something it, like that.
2: It's, in, it's definitely in April. I haven't memorized the date of traumatization.
1: yet. <laughs> Early mid April. Yeah. Gotcha. But it's, it, it's something that I think that that probably teams are going to want to be doing their business, you know, probably starting in you know at the latest in about two weeks, rather than waiting till then. Well, um,
2: it depends where you're shopping.
1: Well, I mean, I I just think if you're trying to improve your team, I don't think that the, you know you with the deadline you're only going to get you know how many more games you're only going to get know what 14 more games out of the you know out of the guy you know if it's something you actually need then then why not get it a little earlier and, and, and get the full 20 or 25 games out of it
2: that's kind of the same case all the time and it just i know some teams like to pull the trigger a little bit early probably for the reasons that you described but it just it all seems to go down on the deadline especially for the abs yeah they're... they don't really do that early
0: there's always prorated cap considerations, which I'm not going to pretend to even try to understand. Um, and then there's also, like, you you don't want to be too reactive to 15 games. Because a, a lot of bullshit can happen in 15 games. That's also a consideration. But in, in terms of trying to do it earlier, um, like, this season is so compact. Like, it's hard for someone to come to a new team in the middle of the season and fit in anyway. And you're, you're giving that player yeah. basically no practices. Saying, you can come play games. That's all you can do. Because Colorado have no extended off period again until a while from now.
1: Well, basically the end of the season. I mean, McNabb was talking about this on the last Altitude broadcast, that, that he basically considers a practice to be when you have a day off Practice and then a day off after, so you can really, you know, have a full practice with full effort. And the avs just don't have one of those. The let the, you know the the practice that they had in Tahoe was the, you know, basically their last practice with a day off afterward.
2: Well, I think from following them, being at home is going to be a big difference, and they're home almost the entire month of March. So, I do feel like they're going to practice more than people think
0: during they'll have month.
1: practices, but it just, I mean, there's only so much effort you can ask if there's a game the next day.
0: Yeah. If you've had well, three games in the last five days, you've got another three in the next five. Yeah, well, sure. And he, Ben, there's
2: Erzogh- mentioned that the stars and the ones that play a lot in particular are going, probably won't practice or won't practice for long. We've already seen group League practices pretty quickly. But, so I do believe that, but as far as like no practice practice, I, they're going to practice like they're even going to practice next week.
1: So. No, I, to, I mean, I, I'm not saying they're not going to be on the ice, but I, I, I do kind of agree with Pete that if, you know, if you don't have a day off the next day, it's going to be hard to, to get a full, you know, one hour and 20 minutes worth of effort out of everybody in a, in a practice.
2: But they never practice that long anyway. It's like 45 minutes.
1: Yeah, but with video and everything. I mean, they can still do all the video. I mean, they'll be doing probably more video than anything else. But, you know, they like to do video, go out, do the drills to pound it into them and then go over it again that night.
0: Yeah, the it's p- just I'd... The point is, in but... general, just that just there's going to be so much load management required to keep everyone alive all season long. That yeah. the, the the level of practice that you need to really integrate systems from a new team is just not going to happen. Even a practice, yeah, quote unquote, happens. It's you're not. It's, it's not practice practice. But at the end of the day, we're 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 talking about practice, <laughs> well, right? The...
1: I mean, you're you're basically going to have to learn during games. Um, earn while you learn. Um, so. But we feel know, like that, they're that's just get something someone... you have to build
2: regardless, right? I mean, yeah. they bought when they were terrible. Yeah, they always Why buy. Would... Right. They have to bring in somebody, so whether or not it's a great idea, they're still going to do it. It's just a matter of how much are they going to spend to do it. And, and where? I don't think that they think they have a third center problem. Like, I I think Bednar hasn't been thrilled with Comfer, but well, I don't moved think them they wing. have a third center problem it was one game especially well, we'll see, when...
1: but i mean <laughs> that's a pretty big deal because they, i mean he stuck with them all last year when he was really not that great and then now this year it's been even worse um you know i i, I don't think he thinks it's a pro- I i don't think the the abs think it's a problem like oh god we just gotta get somebody right like now which is but like what just, all the they're fans they're looking think. at it like we could really use someone that could anchor that bottom six a little bit better. And
2: and do they think that? Do they think like they just need Bellmare who's maybe like 3 years younger to Probably. do that or or Soderberg again? Like they don't think the way that fans think. And I know that that's a huge topic out there like who can we get to bring in to be the 3C and everything and I don't think they see it that way at all.
1: Well, I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, I think they, they feel they need someone they can count on, you know, to do something in the, in the bottom six. It's like, it, it's, it's enough of a problem that, you know, they're not scoring. But on the other hand, they're not giving up anything. They're, you know, the, the bottom six has been okay as far as not being tragic. So, you know, I do agree. Yeah. It's, it's not something that, that, You know, they have to address immediately.
0: So, before we move on to the never ending game, there was, um, we, 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 when we talked pre show, um, one of us mentioned wanting to talk about Bowen Byram on Tuesday's game, and that didn't happen yet. So, why don't we do that?
1: Well, yes. Good.
0: (laughs) It's gonna,
2: yeah, we, we, we went down the road of like, who wasn't helping in that game but who did help in that game was certainly Byram playing 25 minutes which is crazy when you think about it as on the road against probably who they're fighting for the division crown and then he ends up playing literally half the game and um he he did a great job at it he was out there like every other shift with a different d partner and then it was so nice to see him rewarded with that gate winning assist which he made the play on he's he he did the shot pass to Donskoy, who then i guess it was more of a rebound to Kadri but um just um like we've all been impressed with him since the beginning it's cool to see even more layers, I guess you could say. Like, I still think a lot of people are focusing on the scoring and, like, yay, okay, now he's got two points, but it hasn't really quieted the those people that complain about it. But, um, it's just, uh, just the poise and the maturity that he has with the puck and the way he can defend. Is, is really awesome to watch. And it's cool to see it all come together in a game like that. And it feels like they see him as very much an even strength cog in the machine. And I think his ice time will fluctuate because of that. You get a game like the outdoor game where there was a lot of special teams that can take away from his ice time. But um, it seems like they, they are comfortable relying on him in that way
1: yeah he was fantastic i mean asking a 19 year old kid to be basically your number one defenseman you know against the top team in the division Bettner really didn't seem like this was something that he had to be dragged kicking and screaming into i mean I, I i don't think he was all that worried about it and <clears throat> um the, the part you brought up about special teams is interesting a lot of times when you bring a guy up um you know sort of early in his NHL career you you do see a lot of, a little more special teams you know like a guy that that's offensively inclined is going to be on the power play maybe in the second unit or um you know a little more defensively inclined guy you want to get some pk time too <clears throat> um and i do think it's interesting that they want to maximize his 5v5 time and they're 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 okay with you know, bring him along slow enough on either the power play or the PK um, to and do it, that. It's it's just not it's not a normal way that things happen.
2: And I find it interesting because that practice I went to the other week, he practiced the PK quite a bit and with the main guys like Graves. And so, while they might not be using him in that role right now, I think he will fairly shortly. And and. We know we've seen him at the end of some PKs where he gets a little bit of time, but I think that might be the next step where they take him is to
1: give him well, more of a regular. A, sh- I can't remember if it was this week or, or in the past, but I mean he did have a game where he, he got I don't know, near four minutes of PK time. So it's yeah. you know, he has been there. I, I think they're trying to force Makar into playing PK and it's not really taking.
0: I kinda wish they um, wouldn't do that.
1: Yeah. Like, I, I, I you know, know. I, I know it's so a group
0: <laughs> but
2: we're not ready to move on to the PK yet. I know we're going to talk about that. So, no. Um, Benar on the radio talked seriously like five minutes about Byron. Like, he wasn't really asked post game about him playing that much, but it was interesting to hear him get into like his his thought process and like he, he said he was impressed several times, but you can just tell they have such like high expectations for him that just being like solid defensively isn't their vision for him. It's, it's the whole package. It's the whole offense defense, everything, which is fine if he's and better, even said, like when he has to play that much, he is consciously making a sacrifice on the offensive end. Yeah. But it, The And he also explained it like, yeah, I thought he was playing pretty good. And then when he looks and sees that he played that much, it's almost like it gets away from them. Like they're not even planning it. But they're like, well, we did put him out there every other shift (laughs) because that's what they had to do to win the game. And so to kind of look at it from that perspective is cool too.
1: Yeah, and it, it, there are some people sort of looking at what he what Byram did yesterday and see like, oh, he only played fifteen minutes at five v five, and
2: they had know, a shit ton of penalties too. They did, right? Very true. And
1: it's and it's also that now that they do have McCarr and Sam and and Taves back, it's like it, it, Bo almost needed a game where he was just sort of cruising and, and you know allowed to rest a little bit.
2: Well, he played six. He played six minutes in the first period, which is the most five v five of anyone. So it's not like he wasn't playing that game either.
1: And that might that might be another case where it's like, oh gosh, it got away from us again. Because um, <laughs> because Sam didn't play nearly what he usually does. Like, you know, I don't know if he was symptomatic or what, but obviously they were limiting his minutes a little bit and and probably suppressing McCars a little bit as well. Cause
2: I think Makar he... did look better. In the night portion, yeah, he sure in the did. The night cause game, he, It's like the day was, game and the night game, but
1: there was one time where he did, like, he reached up for a puck, and you could see him, like, it, it's almost like he had a back spasm or something like that. <laughs> and I was like, oh gosh, yeah, he was um, he was
0: awesome at night, though.
1: Yeah,
2: but we've seen even when they had their full lineup, they they found a way to use Byron. So I'm not like, oh, okay, now that. Sam and McCarr back like they're not going to use them at all. It just it's going to depend on the game, such and such.
1: But and I do think they definitely wanted to rest him a little bit yesterday, and it's it it wasn't because of you know being being at Lake Tahoe or whatever. It's just that he had played so much in the previous two games.
0: Yeah. Well, if we're going to talk about the outdoor game, let's talk about the outdoor game. Um, With a few days off between Tuesday and the Lake Tahoe game, both teams got pretty much everybody back. Um, no EJ or Fransos, obviously, for Colorado, but the Avs did return Gabe Landeskog, Tyson Jost, and Sam Gerard from the COVID list, plus they get Matt Calvert and Devontaze back from IR, and P.E. Belmar, who did play in all three games this week, uh, and was on a pretty rough line on the first couple of games. Um, but anyway, Vegas got back Shea Theodore, who we heard a lot about how much they missed that guy, and he put up zero points and a minus two. <laughs> Avs, <laughs> Avs win an outdoor game. A really bizarre outdoor game, but they win an outdoor game on Saturday, 3-2 the final. The first period was played at noon local, and Gerard buries a nice setup for McKinnon. Then the ice disintegrated, and Colorado was left trying to play 5-on-3 in soup. Didn't work out, but they looked strong to start this game. And when play finally resumed at 9 o'clock local, they pretty much picked right back up where they left off. McKinnon buries the go-ahead goal to cap just an elite 4-on-4 shift, and then he adds the assist on Devontae's game-winner. for Nathan McKinnon on the national stage. Hi there. This was an outdoor game, with all that implies. So the ice falls apart by the end of the game and slows play down a fair amount. Weird lighting makes the goalies fight off shots at times. That really seemed to affect Marc-Andre Fleury, um, with shots that were up high on him. What it didn't need was truly bizarre officiating, and it definitely got that, too. All in all, memorable game for both good and bad reasons. What did y'all think of this one? Gosh, I don't even know where to start with it. I-
2: <laughs> <laughs> all in all, I think it went well. Obviously, the win helps. It would have been because they ended the day game <laughs> with a one to nothing lead, and then if if they had lost, you'd feel like okay, what would have happened if they just kept playing? And then Landeskog pretty much indicated it was the ABS that wanted to keep playing, and the Knights did not. And um, I don't know. I think you'd feel a little bit more bitter if if things fell apart at, at, in the night portion and so, but it, it was better that they played. they were on real ice and because and you don't want something to happen. If somebody had gotten hurt on that slush, that would have just been awful.
0: Well, you were seeing yeah. both players and officials just just eating shit when all they were doing was gliding. <laughs> so I think the
2: setting was awesome I, I don't think they could have done any better it just is absolutely gorgeous and I'm sure even the pictures didn't do it justice so I think it's cool to be part of of an event I think it's cool for the guys especially in this season that's that he has they've already had the pause and God knows what else is coming and, and a ton of games and all these things just to maybe get a little bit of a mental break, like kind of enjoy something. And so I was really happy for them that it worked out. They went there and even though they had the super long intermission, which was eight hours, (laughs) it, it still was a good game. It was was like the other two Vegas games that we had watched. And um, maybe the execution is, was a little tougher always on a rink like that. There's always it's just a little bit tougher for everybody. I think to do what they normally would do. And then, um, but oh, all in all, I, I was happy with it.
1: Yeah. This was really interesting. Like at the beginning of the game, when the ice was relatively integral, um, the abs just dominated. I mean, they really dominated the, the first half of the first period in, until things started getting slushy. Um, and it just you know it, it definitely looked like one team was ready to play and the other wasn't and i don't think that's why vegas was would, was not wanting to play because the corner to grubby's left was really bad and it's it, it that probably helped the avs as far as suppressing what vegas could do in the offensive zone so um, well i
2: I don't think they were making up excuses. I mean, everyone no. could tell the ice was certainly a problem. But if you're the team that has the lead and the momentum in a game that you know is probably going to be really low scoring, and also knowing if they get through two periods it's official, one team certainly might feel a little bit more willing to grind it out and yeah. get it to the finish line than another team.
0: Yeah, that's basically what McKinnon said in his post postgame. Um, just kind of standing out there in the dark talking to talking to Brian Boucher or whoever it was. Um, but I I don't know how much you can really, how much talk you can really put in, in Gabe saying that Vegas didn't want to play because <laughs> I don't really know how much of a position the Avs guys are in to know who exactly didn't want to play, right? Like, I mean,
2: he basically yeah. said that.
0: <laughs> like Yeah, he did well, basically say that. It, but it's also the PA that doesn't want this game to continue under those circumstances. It's Probably the team's front offices as well, not wanting their guys to get hurt. Like I, I don't know how much of it you can really look say all oh, the knights didn't want to keep playing. Obviously the abs had the lead so they wanted to to grind out the rest of that next twenty minutes and see if they can get a win in the books, but Well, sure, well, it's
2: not their decision alone. And it it worked out for the best anyway. I thought it was kinda cool to see what it looked like in the day and then in the night where I thought it was neat to have like just darkness behind them where there's nothing else like all you see is just this bright white of the rink and the ice and everything and it it felt like there was nothing else around it so i thought that even the contrast was neat to have the day version and the night version
0: yeah that actually ended up working out okay um and and it was an interesting broadcast um difference too just because the afternoon like the first period was at times kind of hard to look at because it was so bright yeah, and you could really get a sense of how how brilliant the sun was up there, um, and then in the in the evening when guys would shoot pucks over the glass, you're just like, oh, that puck is gone. You're never tired yeah. that.
2: <laughs> I wonder if why that kept happening. is just is because you couldn't really see. Maybe it was tough to see where the edge was and and things like that. Um, one reason I feel like the Avs came out strong, which I agree, it was like the first maybe five minutes or so, the abs really had the puck. They took it to them. And I think maybe that's because they've experienced the outdoor game and most of the team at least had experienced the game against the Kings. And I think just knowing the ice conditions, knowing how hard it is, it, it's so much harder to create. And I think they knew – exactly what they would need to do in order to create help them so i think the, what i'm trying to say is i think the experience uh provided them a little bit of a head start in that game that's a good point because
1: but they've they never, kept things they never simple. played well outside too and well but
2: but that they know it they know why they didn't
1: play well
0: yeah they right were-
1: no they, they they were motivated to make that stop like You know, I I can I I can see, you know, because I know, you know, only Gabe and and Mac are left from the the first outdoor game. But, you know, you're right. Most of the guys were there last year. So it's like, you know, it's it's time. It was time for the abs to finally win one. It
0: was. (laughs) And and they pulled it off by honestly playing a a little bit different, different than usual. So I'm glad that y'all point that out, because they, they usually the avalanche offense is something that we criticize for overpassing or getting too cute too often. Um, but in in this game, it was one one-timer and, and try to get a shot off. It was trying to work a shot pass through to Gabe Landisgog standing in the crease. It was, you know, just simple plays like that. Even on the power play, um, when when they tried to get that kind of sneaky bumper shot off from, from the sideboard to Nazem Kadri. no, that's not a high percentage chance, but it is simple and i think you could see yeah. that they were trying to simplify and it worked for them
1: yeah and and you hope that's something that carries through because I, I the way i looked at it is is they're a little bit more urgency in their game offensively which they you know they often don't have on the power play <clears throat> and it's 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 too rare when they do have the puck statically in the the offensive zone so you know just just sort of shooting more and thinking less um you know made for a little more effective way to play,
2: yeah, they um, could take anything out of for about creating in that environment and against Vegas, yeah, absolutely, that'd be great,
1: yeah, stop thinking, start doing, and um, I think
2: this we or oh, go ahead
1: <laughs> well, this was interesting, like I actually got my mom to watch this game. And... <laughs> I mean she's not a total noob like my parents lived in new york before i was born and my dad was a rangers season ticket holder for a long time um (laughs) i know (laughs) but um you know she it's funny to hear her her observations just because like she doesn't know much about the avalanche she couldn't figure out which team was the avalanche at first she was like i didn't know which team was colorado because they had the fleur-de-lis on, and I was like, that's not the Avalanche logo. And I- <laughs> <laughs> but she thought the setting was beautiful, and, and she liked Sam's goal and-, and thought his beard was cool. Um, <clears throat> My mom just- watched
2: a little, too, and let's just say she's <laughs> at kind of like win-loss level. <laughs> but it but is it- cool that everyone was interested. That That's yeah. kind of the whole point, too.
1: Yeah, and it's you know it. It's too bad that the ice deteriorated like that because I do think there are probably people that tuned into that for the first time in a while or ever, and and probably looked at the scenery and was like, "This is really cool."
2: I think that's um, why they replayed the first period while they were still in their time window. Yeah. So that if anyone had flipped it on later, at least they saw some hockey.
1: Yeah. Um. But you know, I. I, I think what the NHL tried to do was very good. And, I, I you know, obviously, you know, you just couldn't see this coming. But
0: um, well, I, I like
1: this format a whole lot more than going to some, you know, Stark Stadium somewhere. And, and um, you know, th- this is something that they could, pro- you know, they could probably still take this idea and go with it to other places and have success a little bit more than, than big football stadiums and baseball stadiums.
0: The difficulty is making money here.
2: Well, I think think they're not going to give, they're not going to give up the stadium because when they can fill it again, that they're going to do that, but why not both? Right? Like they've done several versions. They've had the winter classic and the heritage classic and the stadium series. Like you could still have one of those. And then you could have like one of these. Right.
1: No, well. I, I'm not saying they'd give up. Yeah. But I, I think, you know, having this sort of unique environment to play a hockey game in, you know, a, a, as a counter to to the big stadium um, is, a, is a really good thing.
0: So then I have kind of like... one big stadium game and then you have one, maybe not Lake Tahoe, because apparently it's a little bit difficult to figure out what exactly their weather is going to do because next to a giant lake. So it's got its own weather. Um but that kind well, of I environment. Think, and there you, there you got two outdoor games a year. Very nice.
2: Yeah, you could do it anywhere. Like, you could even do it on a beach. Like, think of how crazy that would be to have, like, a rink on the beach. And it wasn't so much the temperature, because they had, they've had they done it in California before. It's it's the sunshine at altitude. And anyone that's been to Denver knows it could be 30 degrees out. But when the sun's out, it's it just cooks because you're at, at the altitude like that. So I think that's where... The, The NHL made the misstep is that they figured, hey, we've done it in California, we've done it in these warmer weather locations, and it's it's not just the sun; it was the sun at altitude. Just because there's a reason why that lake doesn't freeze. (laughs) Probably should have taken a clue there. (laughs) (laughs) That you look out and you see like the waves rolling on this lake, and you're like, well, yeah, maybe nothing stays frozen up here.
0: Yeah, and and McKinnon kind of said as much in his post game too. It was like he, he mentioned the sun, and said it's kind of the same way in Denver. Like when it's when the sun is out, it's just hot. Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah. And uh, I one last thing about just the type of event is what Bednar said in his post game about how, in a way, I don't think he quite put it this way, but in a way, it was more relaxing that it wasn't like an event where you have family coming in and friends right, and yeah. everyone. Like all the hoopla, it was just that they could get on a plane and go there and en- enjoy something different. But it wasn't about making sure all these arrangements and everything was set. And so I think that you kind of got that vibe when you're watching the game and you could hear the ice on ice sounds. It just oh boy. It did feel like they cut a lot of the crap out. And yeah. It was Yeah, it was like... It, a gimmicky in a way of doing it like this but it did end up more authentic at the end
1: yeah having the having the on ice sounds i mean i, I don't know how you can watch that game and be like oh we really need to jack up the crowd noise still i mean <laughs> i mean i know petrangelo was mic'd up and you know that's why oh boy it came out <laughs> so clear but you know at like even my mom noticed. Like you could hear the guys talking on the ice, and the refs, you know, talking to the players and, and the coaches, yelling and things like that. And it, you know, I I know that's I, maybe that's a little amateurish or whatever, but um, you know, it, it, as a fan, you really like to hear that because you're you know you're hearing the guys calling for the puck. It's not just sort of seeing it on on TV. Um. You know it, it it sort of adds an extra layer to it that, that was really interesting to watch
0: it, it lets you focus on like the rhythm of hockey like hockey and is like basketball in 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 the way that it' its soundscape has a rhythm to it you can hear basketball shoes squeaking on the floor the same way that you can hear you know skates stopping and starting the same way that you can hear every time a, a puck strikes a stick like it's got a, a very unique sound to it and taking out the crowd with a K noise, really
1: lets you that's that shine through yeah and i I said this today in the in discord i I was like i'm fine with having the fake crowd noise when a a goal is scored or there's a penalty or you know a good scoring chance or something like that but you know if you dial back the ambient while the game is actually going on and, and i realize you know they probably don't want all the swearing on tv and stuff like that but You know, just dial it back, and (laughs) well, I mean, dial it back enough that you can sort of hear what Steph's talking about, sort of the rhythm of the game.
2: Yeah, definitely. They should do more of that. They should make it an option where you can just like cut out the commentary, but just listen, listen to the game if that's what you want. So sometimes you definitely need to cut out the commentary. Sometimes, sometimes, um. Well, before we move on, I think we've got to give a shout out to Sam for playing in this game. And who, playing
0: really well in it. Yeah.
2: Even originally, he wasn't supposed to even skate. And then however that happened, maybe he because he passed his cardiac test and everything. Like he didn't even practice. Really.
1: Didn't need to. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like That's what's <Yeah>, <laughs> what hot about the whole way. <laughs> and it's i think it's part of the reason why he was the iron man is because he is always up to play no matter what like i'm sure in his 3 plus years he's been dinged up but you know what he goes out there and he he plays like he will do anything i remember in the playoffs when he was supposed to be out like he would push himself to get ready like if he can be on the ice then he's like ready to go and and exactly and he played well, he made a difference. Like he scored the first damn goal, which he also scored in the other stadium series game. So I think give, give him a shout-out because he needs there always needs to be Sam appreciation. If he, deserves he deserves it.
0: it. He doesn't always get it. Um it was just it was really strange to to how he could even be at the point in his isolation that he's ready for the cardiac test. Like you have to wonder if maybe like uh, he had a a false positive result or something like that um i will say from my
2: investigation that he was sick and he was
0: symptomatic well there you go well then then all that we can do at this point is to say that we're lucky that the avalanche haven't had anybody get it as bad as rasmus yeah
1: yes
0: very much that everyone came back
2: everyone um Seemed like they. I think they all. Like Jost and Lanscog played played well. What was a false positive was Misca. There you go. You, you know we're. Um, I know nobody cares about Misca, but it was a little concerning to see him <laughs> pop on the list because you're like, uh, okay, what what's happening here? But I guess the second that he was a- eligible to come off the list, he was sent to the Eagles. So we'll see what the plan is there. If they're just done with him or what. I know what Earl would vote for
0: <laughs> is that right a... where he needs to be would that be by chance a solar jettison
1: <laughs> no I, I you know I think he's right where he needs to be. i just I'm fine with well i i I'm fine with
2: coming up, so who would you like to play that game?
1: I'm fine with Werner playing it um. You know, I I think they should find out whether he's the guy that that beat Winnipeg or he's the guy that got smoked by the Oilers.
0: I think that they need uh, to make a make a move for Matt Nieto and have him throw his ball hockey pads on. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go, the net's yours, buddy. <laughs> um. So yeah, the I think some of this game's weirdness was also that it was cursed. Um and what i mean by that is both teams had a 5 on 3 and and neither scored which means neither team deserved to win <laughs> so th- this game was just completely cursed and you know the hockey gods didn't know what to do so they melted the ice <laughs> that's 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 my judgment on that. Um, the Avalanche did a really good job of killing that 5-on-3 that they faced. Uh, their own 5-on-3 was, I, you can only do so much when you can only skate in certain areas of the other rink. Um, yeah. So before we move on, I, I want to talk briefly about the PK. Because right now, the Avs have the most successful penalty kill in the league. It's at 3.2 goals against per hour, and that's 1st. That's by you know a, a non-small margin so I would like to hear from y'all why you think that is any day <laughs> yeah well
1: I, I mean first it has to start with Grubauer and yes. I you know I know that that what happens in front of him and influences how he does but you know he's making a lot of the saves that he needs to make to to have a PK that's that good so it you know, I, I think that's a great place to start. Um.
2: I think some new personnel on it. I I really do think that. I mentioned this last podcast that um, Sam and McCarr both have fairly low Corsi and Fenwick against, and I think it's the new way of thinking about the penalty kill. It's not about sitting back and. Blocking shots—it's about pressuring the puck and being able to get it out. And when you have intelligent, mobile defensemen with puck skill, it certainly changes the dynamic of what you can do. I also do want to say I think Graves has been pretty good on the penalty kill. So yeah, that deal
1: yesterday where he put his stick on the ice and stopped the the um, road road pass—I mean, you know, that's that's good stuff.
0: Yeah, where
2: he's been maybe iffy five on five and trying to kind of figure his role out. He has been good on the penalty kill. So I want to give him credit for that. And maybe also not having Calvert and Belmare because they, as much as everyone loves their try hardness, they're not exactly the greatest at preventing shots against.
1: Well,
0: they've had Belmar this week and they had both of them for the outdoor game. And, uh, they, yeah, Avalanche still had, well, had pretty decent it continues. success. Continues. Um,
2: yeah, well, hopefully it continues.
0: Just, just kind of by the by the numbers, like the shots against, which I define on the penalty kill as Fenwick, is is it's very middle of the pack. Their quality against is kind of on the lower end of pedestrian when you look at the expected goals. They just they just have the best save percentage in the league as a team on the penalty kill by a lot. Um, Philip yeah. Grubauer specifically is at worst a top five goalie on the penalty kill this season. And probably better than that because among goalies with at least half an hour of PK time, he's got the third best goal goal saved above average, the fifth best save percentage, the fourth best high danger saves rate. And I'm going to stop talking about numbers after this next one, I promise. A big driver of quality against appears to be rebound chances. So again, with that half hour threshold, Gru has the fifth highest rebound chances against rate. And look, Rebounds are going to happen. Like, it, unless you're like a generationally good goalie, you're not going to just absorb every rebound. Um, so, if the abs don't start clearing the house better, this PK may fall off, and it may do it in a big way. Because I don't know how it long you can sustain it, it will, this level of high danger it save will, percentage.
2: Yeah, it will decline at, at some point. You just hope that some of the things that they've figured out will continue and i think having jose back will help too he's been good on the pk so it it seems to be working it's not necessarily as an aggressive a pk as we see against us a lot but i do like the way that they pressure and try to clear the puck
1: and i think one thing that they have in their favor is that that nobody in this division has a good power play really um
2: <clears throat> that's probably another good point <laughs> Yeah that's
0: yeah. worth mentioning I think Vegas probably does
1: They, I mean their their power play Percentage is not that great this year yeah, so. the,
0: Vegas has a personnel that they should We'll put it that way
1: Right and so do the Avs but they don't um, But you know you look at sort of Arizona San Jose You know probably should be better But they you know they just aren't um, Anaheim is Awful Kings are pretty bad, um, so you know there, there's not a lot of dangerous power plays they're going to encounter throughout the season. <clears throat> so, I mean, what they do on the ice during the PK doesn't have to be that good. It's like they're not going to be facing Toronto or Tampa or, or any of the you know the, the really dangerous power play team. Um, so, you know, maybe maybe it's a rude awakening if they end up making it to the final four or something like that. But um, it, it, I, I think this might be a little more sustainable than it looks uh, just because of their, their competition this year.
0: That's a good point. And I don't know how much of an awakening you can only be in for in the Final Four because everything's legal at that point. Yeah. It's going
2: to be eye-opening for every single Final
0: Four team. <laughs> yeah, just look at right. you, North Division. And, and I
1: think, it. I mean, not to get ahead of ourselves here, but I, I, I think at that point, The the fact that every division will have been sequestered for so long that that each team is going to have the personality of their division. So it's, you know, that will be an interesting thing to see sort of, you know, whether Rock really does beat scissors and paper covers Rock and things like that. Because, you know, it's like none of these teams will have played each other.
0: Yeah, it's, it it it's it will make it compelling. I think it will. It's it's interesting how much of a different identity each division kind of has. Because like even when, like the the second Vegas goal last night, where um, Alex Tuck just kind of walks in and Kadri just kind of goes, oh, okay, whatever, and and yeah, <laughs> Byron backs off trying to close off a backdoor pass that isn't coming, and then Tuck does his spinnerama that deflects off of Byron sticking in like that whole play is just like oh well, that's a north division goal yeah and <laughs> and that took a month to develop <laughs> oh yeah. boy
2: I don't even think that that breakdown was North division quality
1: <laughs> that was that was a lot of cadre being like yo lay. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Byram getting some shit for that, and I'm like, he had Colasaur blocked out. I mean, it's like, what, is he supposed to cover two guys, cover the Puck Carrier and and his and the guy in front? I mean, you know, I know it's, it's not great optics at full speed, but you know, I, yeah, I think I mean, he was doing what him. he was supposed yeah.
0: to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I wasn't super thrilled with With Byram last night in the outdoor game, but I mean, it's also the kind of game that doesn't lend itself well to Bowen and skill set so it's like it's whatever and one game also so also whatever he'll he'll come back tomorrow night monday night and and probably be rad again
1: well i mean i i you know i saw those comments before i watched the game this morning so you know i was kind of looking at him like all right you know what what did people not like and you know yeah it wasn't his best game like um, well, if we're holding you know, basically execution
2: the role... against him, let's look at every single other person that was on that ice.
1: Yeah, and because
2: it, it was a lot harder to execute, and yes, the ice was better. Well, and, and
1: plus, that. his role was really different. Like he's been playing first pair minutes, and you know, here he is with Timmy uh, and making third pair minutes.
0: Yeah, just an um, adjustment. But yeah, if we want to single out execution, we can single out. The extraordinarily stone hands last night of Gabe Landeskog, who did not find a puck he couldn't fumble, <laughs> except for the one that he shot off the crossbar.
2: It's just—it's not NHL arena quality ice. Like it's, it's just, not. <laughs> the execution level is lower for everybody. So yeah, if you're if you're look if you're analyzing literally every single time that Byram touched the puck. And saying, oh, boy, well, he didn't, you know, execute like he usually does. It's like, no shit. <laughs> Nobody did. Yeah. And he was, I'd say he was really good in the day portion.
0: So. I don't remember him in the day portion, frankly. <laughs> I thought he was pretty good. So. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's like. He, he. I remember Sam. I thought he was in the day portion. Um, he was
1: dragging Jost and Comfer around and it. That's rough.
0: I remember Miko in the day portion looked really good.
1: Until he got it. St- My mom was like, oh, that poor guy with his face.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> oh, I know that gas. It's Ouch, down, like... Population you, bro. No,
2: kidding. Yo, I know guys get cut with high sticks. I haven't quite seen one like that. Good lord. That <laughs> must
0: that was four minutes for slicing.
2: He should have got six minute power play for that one. <laughs> like, is he going to need but... a skin graft? Like two extra minutes? Because you might need a skin graft.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the freezy spray so, like... was not quite enough for that one.
2: Yeah, yeah. you're going to need some real stitches, not glue. <laughs> <laughs> he,
0: yeah, he was a guy
1: that really benefited from an eight minute intermission <laughs> or an eight, eight hour intermission. <laughs>
0: yeah, poor guy. So we did finally get everybody back, um, specifically for that game. Um, But before that, like half the AHL has been called up to the NHL. So I was kind of curious. What's happening with the actual AHL squad in their absence?
2: Well, it was nice when they were gone. Not winning very much. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was nice. Okay, when we saw all the vets go up in preparation for their week... They called like almost every single one up. And then and the result was that they couldn't play for the Eagles. So that was kind of nice. It's nice to see the team without all of them sucking up the ice time. And even though they didn't win, I, th- I thought some of their better full team efforts were with all the vets gone. And then as the vets slowly trickled back, the team got worse imagine
1: that yeah and it's it, there there are a few guys down there that haven't played in months and months and you know, you're just gonna have that um you know the, it remains to be seen whether they'll get better um to focus on the positive like i've really liked bowers a lot <clears throat> um they've they've put him at both center and wing and in both you know, sort of an F one for checking role and, in his usual F two F three type role. And, he, um, you know, he's driven play. He's done exactly what he needed to. He's generating a lot of shots on goal. He has two goals scored. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to say he's ready or whatever, because he's been ready for a while, but <clears throat> you know, if, if, if they are prepping him to be called up, they're, you know they're they're doing kind of what they need to cuz he's sort of gone through all three forward roles
0: like, okay it's, he's prepped at the yeah at it, this
2: point at this point it it has to happen soon like i i'm really looking for him to be on the taxi squad for this when they go to Arizona and, and San Jose because that's how you get an opportunity you got to be on the taxi squad and he's played 5 games if he plays for the Eagles on Wednesday that's 6 that's enough like he's As Earl said, he's played every forward position. I don't know, like, what I'm not convinced the Avs see him as a center. I don't think him playing wing in the AHL necessarily means that he's, like, never going to be a center. Because remember, they didn't even play Miko at right wing.
1: So, yeah, I mean, I I don't think they're going to bring anyone up and put them at center um, without experience in the NHL. I mean, unless they absolutely have to. Like, I I think they would definitely start Bowers out at wing and then just see what happens.
2: And they've been playing him with Foodie, which is very interesting because, as we know, Foodie's an 18-year-old that they just drafted, and I guess they've decided that they want to give him a real look, which is great. It's what I pound the table for all the time. It's just he's the only one now that gets gets a look. Like they can only commit to one guy every year, and I guess it's him forever as long as as he's allowed to stay. So it's been in- the interesting part has been watching them play together. And even though they haven't connected for a goal, they have created a lot of chances. Um,
1: Yeah, Foodie's been amazing. I mean, for an 18-year-old kid, I mean, he is generating a lot of shots on goal, which, like, even 20-year-olds coming out of the CHL, you generally don't see.
2: Well, they don't allow them to play (laughs) in the the kind of role that Foodie's They have Foodie on the power play. Uh, They had him on the penalty kill earlier. I'm not sure. Not exactly sure he's still in the penalty kill but um yeah like this should teach you that these young talented guys and look at the ahl top scorers they're all teenagers they're all 18 and 19 year olds that are leading the ahl in points is this a covid so, like, thing
0: like how is an 18 year old
2: yeah because uh like the reason because why the I chl camp there,
1: the OHL yeah, can't so, play. And gotcha. so, yeah, WHL the WHL is in hiatus.
2: Yeah, the OHL and WHL. And then guys like Segris, obviously, from the NCAA can, can play anyway. But So, yeah, it's a huge opportunity to take advantage of this crazy situation is that these guys can play there while they wait for the leagues to start up. But some guys have started to depart for the WHL, like Krebs just got sent to the WHL because they're all starting and each province is different so I can't quote you like an exact day but um, it's been cool to see and then the OHL still has no formal plan so I guess he'll just stay stay until they have one which is cool but see, I'm um, so yeah, Trent back to-
1: Miner's been up, up until last night he's been fantastic um,
2: and he yeah, pretty got, he- much they weren't going to play him and yeah I don't he, think
1: they he,
2: <laughs> he, well Cronin kind of said that in his interview yes last night. Like they weren't really looking to play him but because um you know Frank and then when Miska went on the COVID list and they had to call up Peyton Jones, he's was pretty much the only guy left. I guess they could have played the ECHL guy Kevin Carr, so at least they decided to go with Minor and maybe they're only willing to do it once but he played well for three games, finally got his first win on Friday, which was that coincidentally, the Eagles' only win. And, and then the team let him down last night against San Diego. But I wouldn't say it was his fault or that, like, the horseshoe fell out or anything like that. It was just a matter of when you get grade-A rushes against you, you know, the dam's going to break at some point.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I was really impressed with Miner just because I you know I I haven't watched him that much in the WHL and I was really on the fence whether they were going to offer him a contract at all. Um,
2: I still don't know if they will just because there's there's a limit, but he certainly should get an AHL deal. Like you, you should bring him well, in I mean, into he, your system.
1: You know, he went one one and one before last night. Um, you know, his his save percentage was in the nine twenties, so. You know, that that's that's pretty tall cotton for, you know, a guy his age. And um, it's also
2: how he looked. He looked very composed, very in control. Yeah,
1: it's like for people like me that hate Miska, it's fun watching him. <laughs> <laughs>
2: hey, I think there's something. Hey, the athletic guys are fun or effective in their own way, but just... <laughs> you would have thought Miner's game would have broken down. Like, you... That's the type of goaltender he is, but it's it's certainly a step to be playing in the AHL and you would just think that his game in particular would have broken down and it really didn't. And I like I said, I don't fault last night on him. So we'll see where it goes from here, if they ever do get a well Miska's down there and if Yeah, I'm sure MISC is
1: gonna be playing both games shortly. Yeah.
2: So Maybe that's it for mine, or also the WHL. But I, I think it maybe has to do with when your team's playing, and the BC teams are the ones that have the right. least firm plans, so maybe he can stay a little bit longer. Yeah. But um, just to get back to Bowers, it's he did he's done exactly what he needs to. Like, it wasn't just two goals. Like he he would have tied the, I think the third game they played. With four seconds left, they waved it off because it was like one of those crazy net front scrambles and allegedly somebody touched it with a high stick. I don't know if I quite
0: yeah, believe I don't know that.
2: And it's kind of BS that they took that away from him. And then, so if, if you wanted him to go down and do what you asked, he's done it. So TikTok, guys, TikTok.
1: And as far as foodie goes, um, you know, the OHL still has no firm plans to, to return, as far as I know. You know, they're trying. Um, but I, I think he's been impressive enough that I would keep him until basically he is not allowed to play in the AHL anymore and then send him to the OHL and then quarantine and miss whatever games. Um, you know, unless, unless something happens between now and then where he just sort of out or whatever. But, you know, he's a he's kind of guy that they don't have on the roster add something and he looks good enough that you know I, i think you'd want to get as much time with him as possible
2: it really is crazy like an 18 year old you would just think like it's a little early for a lot of these 20 year olds but it he's he's held up more than fine you just hope he can get a goal and get going in that way but Even Cronin said, oh, we don't even care if he plays well. It's just the opportunity. And I'm like, what organization are we in? I go, okay, (laughs) that only applies to Foodie. Because they sent Ty Lewis, which I know, you know, he was written off a long time ago. But Nick Henry also to Utah. And it's like, what for? So we've given up developing him. And they both played a couple of the early games when the vets were gone. I thought they looked fine. They were engaged. They were creating. They were showing their speed, so what is it? What's the problem here? And then today in Utah, Henry gets a hat trick. Okay, great. Cool. He got a hat trick in the ECHLs. And, so and, now what? And
0: Ty Lewis had three assists. Yeah. So cool. They, <laughs> they're
2: they're good in the ECHL. That's nice. What What is that going to do for their careers? Nothing.
1: We knew that. <laughs> for,
2: <laughs> Right when Lewis led the league in goal scoring for a whole month last year. Okay, you know he's too good for that league. So what are we doing here?
0: Who knows? But it sounds like at the AHL level there's been some good things happening, even if they've been forced to happen. They, there are some good things happening. Um, for sure. Let's turn our attention back to the NHL and do stars and scratches. Who... uh who are we really happy with this week? Tell me your stars of the week. Oh, that's tough. Because there's... It's, there's it's, no, it's really been a committee so week.
1: sludgy. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you have to give one to Byron just for you know, sort of hoard, holding down the fort while everyone was, was out with COVID or hurt.
2: Absolutely. Like, if they didn't have him, when you have both... Sam and Makar out you absolutely needed him you needed him to be able to move the puck and And Taves and
1: EJ I mean it's just like you were missing a lot of guys
2: yeah they, they did finally get Taves back but yeah it's just it's just like you need he's not a luxury like he's not oh boy what can we get for him you know you see out there like nobody thinks he should just go for our third line center but there's still a lot of like, boy, I wonder what kind of forward we could get for him. And it's like, no, you need him. Like, you saw what happens when Gerard and Makar out. You need a guy like that still there. And
1: then he there, he's there different. There are people that Ohio. would trade Sam and Byron
0: right <laughs> <laughs> good, good luck there. Good luck there. We, so- we call those people unserious. <laughs> I don't know.
2: There's enough of it. Oh, there's always the crazy fringe, but there's enough of it out there where it's like, no, you really don't get it. You don't get <laughs> the kind of player that he's going to be for this franchise for a long time. there already is. So yes, I co signed that Byram deserves a star for stepping in, playing very well, creating a game-winning goal. Thank you very much, and and he'll only get better.
0: I think that we would be doing everyone a pretty big disservice if we didn't award a star to Nathan McKinnon, who had three primary points and basically, basically made every goal in the outdoor game, um, plus capitalizing off of some decent setup in the game on Tuesday. Um, McKinnon it's like has when been finally responsible got- for most of the goals this <laughs> week, so...
2: Which is yeah. good, because he was getting a little frustrated. And it was like, when he finally got that one, it's like, okay, maybe we can
0: relax a little. And boy, that four-on-four four yeah, goal was unreal.
1: Yeah, the the funny thing about the oh boy, um, <laughs> it, it's not just that, you know, basically, you know, Petrangelo's like, oh no, <laughs> not <laughs> this guy. <clears throat> but it's, uh, you know, I think that teams... Like in their pre scouts and whatever, they're like, whatever you do, don't let McKinnon get the puck in his own zone and travel through the neutral zone with speed, or you're gonna hate it. Um, and, and that's exactly and noticed there. that that was coming, yeah, exactly. It's like by the time he gets to the red line, you're like, it's in the net, isn't it? You know, I mean, it's... <laughs> 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 um, because for, for but, anybody, you know, who's, I, I really,
0: um, not necessarily had an opportunity to watch. Um, you know, either didn't wasn't able to watch the outdoor game or hasn't been online to see this clip. Um, NBC mic'd up Alex Petrangelo and in the four on four goal that Nathan McKinnon, you know, created a turnover and then got the puck back from his defender and then went and just willed the willed himself to a goal, basically. Um, as as soon as Petrangelo recognizes that McKinnon's about to be coming at him with speed, he just goes, Oh boy.
1: <laughs> and that's it. That's all he says.
0: <laughs> oh boy. And then they see him um, on the bench afterwards talking to someone else that was out with them. And they're both just like, what do you even do? Like, there's nothing you can do about that. (laughs) Yeah, it was a great
2: shot, too. It was like, finally, finally, they're starting to go in for McKinnon. Like, what was he shooting? Six percent or something? It was like, uh, it's going to turn. The funny thing
1: was. They asked Brian Boucher, like, all right, if they had Flurry mic'd up, what was he saying it right about it then? <laughs> and Boucher was like, a lot of stuff we couldn't say on the air.
0: <laughs> Even at 130 Eastern, um, we need one more star here.
2: Well, I was gonna say it's fairly obvious we have to nominate Grubauer, right?
0: Yeah. Yep, we've Yeah, Group Groovy
1: definitely, you know, he's he's also held down the floor while everybody's been out
0: for yes. sure um and then i wouldn't mind throwing an honorable mention in the direction of Brandon Saad who's also had a very solid week as well
1: yeah he's he's gradually clawing his way back to respectability <laughs> you know as far as the season stats he's been very good over the past couple of weeks but i think he's was-
2: more consistent than Kadri i don't know if i said this last week but it was like i think it in the over the balance of the season, he's been more consistent than Audrey. So I think that will help him continue to grow into, to somebody they, they need.
1: I I think a lot of his hideous numbers from our very early in the season, were just being completely unfamiliar with the system and, and how to sort of involve himself with it. Having, you know, one week of preseason to, to basically learn everything. Um, so it you know as time goes by it's like he's you know he, he's more often where he should be and making plays he should so um you know i i i really think what we saw early um was just an aberration and just being uncomfortable with what he was being in forced into
0: hopefully that turns out to be the case um my chair has decided it wants to just pop and crack, so I'm sorry for the constant background noises. I don't... I'm not even really moving i just sitting there just like, bunk, 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 like, chair, please. Um, so, apart from my chair, who should we put on the scratch side? It's
1: probably I mean, low-hanging fruit, but... Yeah, I was gonna say a lot of low-hanging fruit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but we have not mentioned it yet, and I think it does deserve a mention. For poor Dennis Gilbert and his ill advised fight. Ugh. Which...
1: Landed him on IR.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Ha- so. Some of the reason that Bowen Byron played 25 minutes was that the Avalanche had five defenders. The Avalanche yeah. had five defenders yeah. because Denise Gilbert decided that we should fight on the first shift.
1: Yeah. yeah, and yeah he did and come it... back and play the rest of the first, but not much, and that was it.
2: And then now he's on IR, and we know how say putting guys on ir so but one unfortunate part is that means he's taking up cap as he's on ir
0: which is just what they need yeah
2: yeah exactly but of course it's not like his fault not like he wanted to get broken or anything like that it's just i don't know it it, yeah i'm not anti-fighting i i I can see, I do see the benefits. I do see, especially if there's emotion involved or like the whole okay, it fires the boys up and all that. I don't know if if it fires the boys up when when you have someone who's probably like who the hell is out there fighting? Not like, oh, it's your captain and he's fighting where everyone's like, "Oh, you know, that that's going to bring us together." And it's yeah, I like mean, self-serving. The, the bad
1: thing was is like Clausar really didn't do anything <laughs> then. Um, you know, if it it, I don't mind a reaction thing. Like if Landy had gone after um Carrier last night, I would have been fine with it because that was just egregious. Um, and it's just self. I'm referring to Carrier putting his elbow in Gabe's mug against the boards.
2: Or or maybe someone else could do it, not take right game, but sure, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, a stick up for your teammate
1: fight or you know righting a wrong fight's fine. This was just a little bit sort of like, hey, you want to go away?
2: It's (laughs) self-serving. He knows he ain't playing. The second Makar comes back, he knows he's going back to Loveland, and it's like I'm doing a fight because I need to do something in this game, and it. I like I get it, but it's just, just like, dude, this isn't what the team needs. And then they didn't yeah. need you to be out, so then they're playing with five defensemen, and then they don't need you on IR, taking
0: up cap room. Yeah, it's, it's just it's just not 1998 anymore. Like this is this isn't it.
1: Yeah, so, and I feel bad for Gilbert too because you know I I don't want him in the lineup often or or much, but. You know, he could be passable depth as time goes on, perhaps. You'd hope you know, so. It...
2: He was not good, though. Right.
1: No. But it's just, you know, he doesn't have... I mean, he has, I don't know, 10 minutes of time so far. Um. So, you know, we don't really know what we have with him. He's got a little bit of stuff that, that might work as far as an 8th or, or ninth defenseman or whatever. Um. He's going to so have to get just... his puck game up. Like, we... We're at the yeah.
2: point now where the Avs have a minimum standard of like puckability. And yeah. if you don't meet it, you should not be on the ice for the Avs.
1: Yeah, but people get hurt and you start scraping. <laughs> so, um, well,
0: um, Earl referred to My Scratch. Um, my Scratch is not an Avalanche player. And I refuse to acknowledge that this person has a name. My Scratch is Vegas28. Um, because... <laughs> <laughs> that man is a is a human charging penalty and he is going to mat cook somebody and we should have thrown him in the lake
1: yeah um i i haven't seen any mention of it I, i'm su- i'm a little surprised they're not looking into whether that's a suspendable offense
0: oh i'm not surprised at all like Gabe finished the game and doesn't seem to be any worse for wear so it's legal yeah the, the, just, this iteration I mean... of player safety is so reactionary it's painful like, if, if there's the ABS, not visible damage, then they're not going to do shit.
1: Well, and it's just it, I the Avs are not going to make a stink about it. Like, you know, I, you know, I, I like the Montreal Canadiens a lot, but they would be on the phone after the game to the league office about something like that.
2: <clears throat> it's funny, a lot of cross-checks have been given fines. I think I saw the one against Graves was one where... I was a little surprised that that was a fine. It wasn't something where I was, like, pounding the table for. That was just so oh, terrible. the dude who took
1: out Jost yesterday on that, the coincidentals? That was ridiculous. I mean, I know it's not <laughs> something that hurt him or anything like that, but it's just so dumb.
0: Yeah, then he got to, at least he got to pay the stupid tax for it.
1: Yeah, he did pay the stupid tax because it cost him a power play, but God, that was bad.
0: And it cost him a goal.
1: <laughs> it sure
0: did.
2: So it's like the league has decided they're gonna crack down on cross checks.
0: I don't think they have though, because in the flow of play, cross checking is basically legal until it's not Oh
2: no, no, I just mean after the fact. There was another fine for cross check, I think, given out today. I don't remember who it was, but it it's just something I've noticed. Like they're it's like their one pillar of we're not we're not gonna accept this. And yeah, it doesn't matter. Does it really matter if you don't even call it as a penalty? Like great now you're handing out fines after the game does that really matter no
1: well if, i mean if it does get the refs more interested in calling it on a you know i and again we don't want a ton more power plays and so you know i i don't want to see like you know, five power plays per team per game but um you know if you get the refs a little interested in, in calling it that way then, then maybe that tones it
0: That's one of those things you need a preseason to make those kinds of changes, so that before the season starts, you tell each team, "Hey, we're cracking down on this." Before each preseason game, you tell both benches, "Hey, we're cracking down on this," and then during the game, what do you do? You crack down on this. Yeah, that's what they did a few years ago with slashing, and boy, did scoring open up! Amazing. So anyway, uh, my, my my scratch is the human-shaped charging penalty known as Vegas 28. <laughs> and I will uh, repeat myself, do not tell me his name. I do not care. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully
2: we can get through tomorrow and not care for a long while. I think we have one more scratch yeah. to go. Yeah, that's you, Earl.
1: Um. I don't know. Uh, there's, there's really just a not much besides low-hanging fruit i mean there, there are just a, a lot of guys that <clears throat> weren't that great I mean i you know I don't want to say comfort but you know, like he's been awful as usual it's just redundant um
0: sometimes know, a low-hanging comfort. fruit is low-hanging for a reason
1: yeah so I'll, I'll, I'll say comfort I just i know gabe looked a, a little off last night but it just it's weird to me that he goes down and, and plays with, with Comfer and Jost and, it, and just his numbers turn out the way they did.
0: Yeah, And it's his first game back and it's the outdoor game. So, I mean, him, him being off is like, whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah,
2: I'm not, I'm not taking that game into anyone's evaluations. Like, as a team, they got the job done. That's all that matters. I don't yeah, care how but anybody I, just, looks. I would
1: have thought that Gabe would have had a more positive influence over the frat kids.
2: You you would think as well, especially the competition that Gabe would be against. Right, right. Right? Like you would think he's he's gonna see a lot more third line, third pairs, and and that he'd be able to turn turn the tide. But yeah, we'll we'll see. Maybe maybe he was even limited himself a little bit. We'll see what they do with the lineup moving. And forward. I'm not scratching
1: Gabe by any means.
2: No, yeah. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> just, maybe he could have elevated comfort Maybe he wasn't right.
1: No, I'm. J- exactly. That's that's more of saying what an anchor Compher is.
0: Gotcha. <laughs> um, and then honorable mention to the Sun. Um, scratch the Sun. Whew.
1: Coming I love up, love the Sun
0: on Monday. It turned out. Okay. Yeah, it did turn out okay. Um, coming up on Monday, which you would probably also call tonight. I'm I'm serious, y'all. Watch this game. Golden Knights at Avalanche, 7 o'clock Mountain. This is the last good game on the schedule for a very long time. Um, on Wednesday is one of the rescheduled games against the Stupid wild, 7 o'clock Mountain at home. And then on Friday, it begins. Colorado head to Arizona for a back-to-back on Friday and Saturday. Both games at 7 o'clock Mountain. Friday will be on Altitude 2, the Ocho, and all others are on Altitude Original. Would y'all like to hear the March schedule? too bad here it comes anyway san jose twice anaheim back-to-back arizona twice la twice anaheim once minnesota twice arizona back-to-back vegas twice thank goodness and then anaheim and then arizona this is the scheduled dead zone i've been warning about and we're nearly there so you'd better enjoy this one tonight <coughs> vegas minnesota arizona twice what you got
2: I'd like. I'd love three out of four, but but I don't know. But I was seven fifty is a lot to ask. Is a lot to ask for. I and mean, will probably split. I was, honestly, I was they'll awfully pessimistic
1: split. last week, and it it it, we, it turned out better than I thought. So it turned okay, out a lot what better What did than I we guess?
2: Thought. Yeah. What did I say? Two out of three.
0: You might have said all three. I don't remember.
2: I don't know if I'd ever be that optimistic. True. <laughs> <Sure. laughs> I wouldn't have said
0: all three. You definitely said more than me and Earl did, because we yes. we, we expected the outdoor game to be a, the normal catastrophe. <laughs>
2: <clears throat> I don't know. I'll, I'll say a split. It would be nice if one of those losses could at least be an overtime where they'd get
1: five points. I just I, I mean I can't really see a, a game that that they ought to lose you know the Monday game it it seems like they should split this four game set and a loss would would do that um but it's just they you know they they've played Vegas better and better as they've gotten players back and
2: yeah I feel so, like they the have the momentum off, so, and it's yeah. finally at home like they could just take care of it
1: but first game home after a long road trip is usually a bummer. But then again, they never went outdoor games, so I don't. Well, they've been home though. That's that's
2: the other thing. Like it's not like they haven't been home. They've been home. So would you really call that full thing a road trip? So that's, that's... true.
1: But they, you know, they were away for a little. Um, you
2: gotta. You, you know, hope Minnesota... they can beat the wild too. I know.
1: But that, that seems like a trap game. To... Especially if they win Monday, I'm gonna I'm gonna say they they win Monday, lose to the Wild, and then beat Arizona twice.
2: I think they're gonna split with Arizona, also because it's true back to back. And who the hell is gonna be in goal for those
0: games? I will not be. Um, The I think the only way the Abs lose this week is if they do have a goaltending disaster or a giant wet fart against Minnesota. Um, yeah, so it's it's really interesting the way that the schedule is because like yes, coming back from a road trip, the first game home is usually a letdown game. The first like you you've had this big fanfare about your outdoor game, and now you got to come play a regular season game in February. That's usually a letdown, but it's your fourth game in a row against the same team. Like that alone is going to make this game fascinating. Because all those different kind of letdown things are in place, but there's also this massive, like, hey, we probably want to run these guys out of the rink. Um, well, if they beat yeah.
2: Vegas, they'll be tied with them in the standing.
0: Yeah, it's like it's massively important for way more reasons than it is for to be a giant letdown. I could see the letdown against Minnesota happening. Um, I could also see the 2-1 uh, to goaltending loss against Arizona um, happening, but... don't know i think we could go we could see a winning streak next week i hate to say it
2: but don't you think like they're due a stinker it's been a while they've played pretty
1: well what's minnesota's situation as far as their COVID outbreak and is is everyone back from that for the most i
2: believe for the most part i think they've all played I, i think they're i'm trying to think um I don't know if they're completely empty on the list, but I think even like Ian Cole's been back and he was one of the later guys, so
1: um But we destroyed Dumba forever, right? No, he's
2: playing.
0: Oh really? I thought he was yeah. I thought he was broke, broke.
2: No, he was kinda really? like Bellmeyer level, like, oh, it really wasn't that bad. No, he's okay. he's been playing. <laughs> so
1: Psych.
2: I don't know if Spurgeon's been back yet or not. He might have been actually dead. But anyway, I think they're fairly close to yeah. to the real team. It's not like the Iowa Wild version. So. Oh, so are the Avs. So we'll see how big the gap is. <laughs> exactly. But yeah. when you mention the rest of the month, like it does sound like a lot of not good teams. It's like yeah. they also need to get a lot of wins. Yeah. Gotta win those games. And
0: But they don't beat Anaheim very easily. They I know they tend to get goalie to Anaheim. Um yeah. which is what happens when a team has a good goalie. It's breaking news. Yeah, those here. are very high frustration games. Well, a lot
2: of them are gonna be at home. They've actually played a lot of their road schedule, so
0: Yeah, that they, that they have every, most of March at home, like the overwhelming majority of March is at home. That's that's interesting.
2: Yeah, I think their only road trip is to Arizona for two games
0: like the only time you ever see a schedule look like this in a normal season is like calgary has a month like this every year because they have to vacate the the province for the stampede every year
1: right or chicago with their circus thing yeah
2: so the, yeah there are happens. a lot of there are a lot of road games to start and then there's a lot of road games to finish and it's like the whole middle of this schedule is home games it's,
0: it's home games against teams you should beat so this is where you really want to see the team keep the intensity level up and bank some points. Um, but yes. we need to get there first. I think that that this week they have the momentum coming off of this outdoor game and they and pushing it forward into playing Vegas again should keep them from having the letdown game and I think we see a whole bunch of wins unless the goaltending shits the bet. Or whatever D-
2: next disasters are on the corner. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we're done with our adversity. Just saying.
0: Well, why you gotta try to curse us like that? <laughs> why? But if I say it, then
2: then the hockey gods want to make me wrong.
0: So make me wrong. <laughs> oh, it's the re- it's the reverse anti jinx.
2: Not not necessarily like oh yeah I'm the jinx. It's just if you expect something, then then you're not being set up to get surprised it's kind of how that works.
0: It's self-preserving no, I pessimism.
2: I don't predict injuries, that's what I'm not predicting that. It's just it feels like okay, we got through the injuries, we got through the covid, now we're we're all good to go and I hope it stays that way.
0: So, so now now everybody's shooting percentage is going to go on the toilet. <laughs> just there's
2: always adversity.
0: Just it's gonna now we're gonna get six tim peel games in a row oh you know that could happen (laughs) i hope not um so anyway i think that's gonna be it from us today um thanks to everybody for tuning back in as we're back from the covid break uh we're gonna be back to weekly um until the end of march there's a week in there that we're gonna take off because you heard that schedule Uh, there's one of those weeks doesn't have a whole lot going on with it so um we're gonna take a break in there um otherwise you definitely know where to catch us and you'll catch us at the same time as usual for a while i don't think there's even any sunday games for a while it's going to be nice for our schedule so normally scheduled shows we will see you next week
1: I was ready to hate this game, but uh, you know, honestly, it turned out pretty fun. I mean, the, that, that's uh, a really weird feeling to to come out of an outdoor game. Like, wow, I actually enjoyed that.
0: Yeah, I think it's important that we throw this in at the end of the show. Um, this was this was said after we stopped recording. I turned the recording back on. Um, that even though the actual plan for the outdoor game got kind of melted, like. Th- we should be giving the NHL tons of credit for setting up a spectacular event and and going for it, um, because this is a league that does not tend to go for it, um, and putting on an outdoor event costs a lot of money, and you can't really make a lot of money with no fans in, in the building. Like You can put any old game on NBC. We saw them do that on Sunday with the Caps-Devils game that they just kind of shifted over and they bumped the Bruins and, and Flyers to evening. Um... I think game's on right now, actually, but this is just one of those things where I, we can we can be hard on the NHL for lots and lots of stuff, and we are, often, um, but this is one where they went for it, and it didn't, it didn't work out as planned, but it was, it's still, like, it doesn't make the idea bad. I'm yeah. sure they're disappointed that it wasn't, they didn't have
2: their NBC broadcasts, but... I'm disappointed
1: that I couldn't watch the the second and third periods live. But still, I mean, you know, just getting up this morning and watching it, I I enjoyed it.
2: But even though it was it ended in disaster, like, so what? They just waited and they went out there and they played a fine rest of the game that I thought was just as compelling. So what what really have you lost other than some primetime viewership? But that's not our problem. And and some money,
0: but that's also not our problem.
2: So it was hopefully it was cool. they made some money on it, and I actually do think it's not evil when the league makes money,
0: so I hope they yeah. did make money on it. And it was a great I showcase for those reverse retros so that we can sell lots and lots more of them, right? <laughs> Maybe not.
2: That's yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, back to your regularly well, scheduled think- outro. <laughs>
2: <laughs> They're gonna wear them tomorrow, by the way, if you guys aren't aware of that.
0: Just from that, I think so. Like, that already sounds cleaner. Huh. I mean, I don't know
1: why resetting my router would do that, but <laughs> maybe that's why the cable company always tells you to do it. <clears throat>
2: it's like rearranging the squirrels or something. Rearranging the squirrels. <laughs> yeah.